0: hi welcome to two towns over this show was made possible by our patrons so if you would like to support us we're at patreon.com slash two towns over if you can't afford monetary donations we are also at facebook.com slash ttopod and if you would share us around and give us five star ratings on whatever podcast you're into we would greatly appreciate it uh, thanks for listening enjoy the show That's all anybody has to do is just play with the ego. Uh huh. Even if you don't have one, you'll have one. It fucking worked. Yeah. So we're gonna go ahead and get started. So welcome everybody to our midweek episode, which I'm just done naming. That's fine because it just it's all. I over don't the know. Place. I really like
1: the the ridiculous names that you do.
0: Oh, like the like the long drawn out. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. I'll yep. still do those. But as far as whether it's called Corner Cafe gossip or stuff Don found interesting or historic or legendary history, I've uh-huh. named it so many different things, but it's all pretty much the same.
1: Yeah, it's it's all a bite sized episode where yeah. we talk about something random. So
0: two towns over, fun sized.
1: There you go. Sure.
0: Why not? <laughs> so this week, uh, oh, I'm Don.
1: Uh, I'm Josh, aka the monster under your bed. Yes,
0: and we are Reubenless this week because we broke Ruben. Uh, between West Memphis and <laughs> McMartin. He just needed a, a couple of weeks off. So filling in for Ruben is the exact opposite of Ruben. Oh, uh, Brandon. Clive, Clive, who um, needs to be closer to his mic? You need to be closer to the mic. Pull it, but you can pull the mic closer. Oh, no, you can't. We're well, going to scoot in a little bit. The chair in. <laughs> there you go. There you go.
1: Happy Father's Day, Happy Dawn. Father's Day. <laughs> yeah. So
0: we have Brandon joining us this week. Um, and uh, in honor of Brandon joining us, because I know his likes and dislikes, uh, we're gonna do songs that you that are not what you thought they were about.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. oh please tell me we're gonna do semi Charm life.
0: Uh, I, I think, but I don't remember. We'll get there. I'm pretty sure I was in here. I remember reading it, but maybe I deleted it because Brandon. Do already you know did that it. one, Brandon? Okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Honestly, I didn't even realize that was one of those songs. People didn't quite get the meaning of i feel they, they like they used pretty it apparent. as an
0: advertisement for kids
1: movies in the 2000s man
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but i it started i was trying to find songs that you didn't know were about sex oh okay but yeah some of them i was like eh. i did find out you know the song all my life by the foo fighters yeah all my life i've been searching for something uh-huh. that's about uh cunnilingus <laughs> <laughs> which makes the line i love it but i hate the taste Oh, oh yeah, but yeah, that's what it's about. Uh, Dave Grohl put it a little bit more graphically than I did. Oh, I'm sure. So, uh, so yeah, we're gonna get started. So, the first song I'm not sure if you guys know it is "Love Song" by Sarah Bareilles.
1: Yeah, I'm not gonna write you a love song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Okay.
0: So, this two thousand track, two thousand and seven track isn't your typical love song. In Seems fact, it's
1: pretty cut and dry.
0: well, well, isn't romantic at all. Many people believe Sarah Borellis released this song in response to her record label telling her to create a love song. Oh, okay. However, Borellis actually wrote the song after a bad experience working with other songwriters. The co-writing sessions, I think, for me, she said, they came at a time when I was still uh, so unsure of my own edges. In a way, I was still sort of discovering who I was as an artist at the time. And while I don't think that any of those collaborators had any bad intentions, I just didn't think it was ready. I was ready to collaborate. Now you know what I'm not going to write you a love song because you asked for it really means.
1: Okay, I figured it was either, uh, fuck you, I'm not going to write you a love song, you're, you're, not, you're not that important
0: type of thing. Yeah, no, it was about other songwriters she didn't want to get involved with, I guess. That was that was like the first. so That was like yeah, the start. It that, gets that's, better. That's the break you in. Yes, yeah, yeah. that's to get you broken in. So the next song is "Ben" by Michael Jackson. I don't
1: I don't know a whole lot of Michael Jackson songs.
0: So many people assume that the sentimental song "Ben" is about a friendship between two boys, but it's not.
1: Oh, also, a great pop punk band called Four Year Strong did a fantastic cover of "Love Song."
0: Okay, the I song. Love it. The song is actually about a relationship between a boy and a rat named Ben. Ben was featured in the 1972 movie by the same title. The film, Social Outcast Willard, finds out that his relationship with his pet rat has gained him access to a society of killer rats. Nice! So Michael Jackson, then 14 years old, received the song after Donny Osmond became unavailable to record it. What? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, similarly, um,
1: like everybody's fav- favorite uh, "Title of the Creator" song. Um, God damn it! What is it called? It, I I know most. It's, it's off Flower songs. Boy. The um, just like say a line from it. I'm drawing such a fat blank. Wait, it was I originally. I don't know that song. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird line. <laughs> it was originally written for uh, Harry Styles. But Harry Styles, like, just wouldn't get back to Tyler. And uh, so he, you know, he was like, fuck it. I'll do the song. I'm sorry. I'm giving you editing work,
0: Don. It's <laughs> <laughs> fine. I didn't think it would be smooth sailing today. See you again. Oh, really?
1: Yes. And that was the one that actually kind of blew him up. Yeah. Yeah, well, again. Yeah. Because, you know, he was, like, kind of fringe before. Yeah, he, he but- had... He had a couple of popular songs, but See You Again was the one that really started getting a lot of radio. Play. Right. I was going to say it was a big radio
0: yeah. single. So Donny Osmond recalled, Michael and I would talk about this all the time. It's funny because we eventually ended up laughing at this one. I will never forget. We stayed up till like two in the morning laughing about the fact that I had a hit about a puppy and he had a hit about a rat. Ben became Michael Jackson's first solo number one single. Wow. And won a Golden Globe for best song. It, so, it was about a rat, and it was about a rat
1: that gave him ex- well Access That to wasn't other in the
0: song, no. But I just remember the line, "Ben, the two of us need look no more." <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, this one I've I've heard. Uh, Good riddance, time of your life by Green Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's nothing happy, romantic, or warm about this 1997 Green Day track.
1: Yeah, of course who got not? that from? Yeah. It? <laughs>
0: What? I um, There was like, I remember hearing high schools using it as their graduation song.
1: I oh, know. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's the funniest thing because all they hear is, I hope you had the time of your life. Yeah. And they're like, that's a graduation song, <laughs> obviously.
0: What was your, his graduation class was Pitbull.
1: Yeah, oh, that doesn't I don't fucking talk about that. surprise me. <laughs> I can't remember. They made, I abstained
0: from voting on mine. Ours was Time uh, Time to Remember by Billy Joel. I'll, I'd, I I'd take some Billy
1: Joel over. I don't even remember what mine was. I just remember seeing the list of uh, what we could vote for, and there was like a line where you could write a song. And I was like, they're not going to put whatever I
0: fucking write here. <laughs> and I threw the piece of paper away, and I was like, I abstain, Mrs. <laughs> Williams. Just like my senior year, you know, the senior years leading up, the senior class had gone on a cruise or they'd gone to Jamaica. Yeah, I didn't do my that My senior class decided on Atlanta, Georgia.
1: Hey, at least you got shit.
0: Just Atlanta? Just Atlanta. I knew a couple people who went on the trip. They went to like uh, Six Flags and then they went to Rock or uh, Stone Mountain, which is redundant by saying it now that I say it. <laughs> um, you know, then they did like the Coca-Cola factory and all that that was their big senior trip and the thing is is that only about 15 people actually went on the trip right because everybody was like fucking atlanta honestly well and they fucking overcharged like crazy
1: for those i our ours at my school was always uh universal yeah they they would do like the big thing where universal was like rented out yeah Yeah, grad night mine was Um, at disney yeah that that was theirs and it was like $500, $600 $500,
0: $600 to go on that trip. Well, mine wasn't that expensive, but then that was also it, yeah. fucking
1: 30 years ago. Right. But I, I think it might have even been more than that. It might have been more to the tune of $1,000 for. But what
0: sucked? What well, did you have to like stay overnight and shit? No, I think they came back same night. Because mm. <clears throat> my grad night, what sucked is you had to dress up. You had to wear dress shoes and walk around fucking Disney World in dress shoes. What? Yes. You better get some Dr. Scholes. Mm. Funny thing is, is you couldn't even, like, sneak in a pair of sneakers because there were people in the bathrooms to make sure you didn't change. Yeah. So I'm wearing... Now, when I say dress up, it wasn't like a full three-piece suit, but you had to wear, like, a dress shirt with a tie... Dress slacks and dress shoes.
1: Nah, if they if they hit me with some fuck shit, where they were like, y- you have to uh, you have to get fully dressed up. You have to wear dress shoes. If you're gonna tell me that I have to wear dress shoes to somewhere, I am wearing a tuxedo, <laughs> full full tuxedo. Out of spite.
0: I'm not sure that I'm not sure that you that you would suffer less than, or more than the people. I'm not sure the people you're trying to spite would suffer from I'd, you dressing as tuxes. I don't
1: care. I don't care. It's the principle of the but thing. But you
0: at Disney World in late May, early June, yes, wearing a tuxedo. And when
1: I have a heat stroke, I'll be like, "They told me I
0: had to dress up." <laughs> now I do remember uh, this. This is really going to age me. Uh, one of the because there was like um, multiple musical acts during this. There was yeah. like concerts, and like PM Dawn was there. I don't know if you remember them. Set adrift mm-hmm. on memory bliss. Mm-mm. Oh, lovely. I love that song. Uh, but we also had John cicada which you may not know. Mm-mm. But anyways, this, I'm telling you, <laughs> it ages me. But um, my friend and I, we were walking. He was performing at the castle. Okay. And he had pyrotechnics. and That's s- pretty sick. So some of the pyrotechnics were hidden in the bushes beside the castle. You mean where teenagers like to hide to smoke weed? I guess. I don't know. All I know is my friend and I were walking past the bushes like heading towards the castle. We didn't want to watch any of the acts. We just wanted to go ride the rides. So we were trying to get from like Frontierland to Tomorrowland to ride Space Mountain. So we were cutting across Main Street. Uh-huh. And John cicada's concert was coming to an end and those pyrotechnics went off and there was like a huge explosion right beside me and my friend as we we're walking. And both of us thought we were being bombed. Right. <laughs> All right, let's get back on track. Uh-huh. You you got to keep me on track, boy. <laughs> so there's nothing happy, <laughs> romantic or warm about this 1997 Green Day. Track. Oh,
1: yeah, that's right, Billy Joel yeah. or Billy, Billy Billy Joe Armstrong. So B- Billy Day's, Joel Armstrong, yeah.
0: Green Day's frontman, Billy Joe Armstrong reveals I wrote the song about an ex-girlfriend who moved to Ecuador, and I was really bitter at the time. Armstrong originally titled the song Good Riddance and Made the Time of Your Life the subtitle. When Green Day heard that the song was popular at high school proms, they were surprised. According to CBS, Good Riddance, Time of Your Life became one of the top 10 songs to play at prom. The song also <laughs> became a hit at high school graduations. So the next song is Closing Time by Semisonic.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's like about his kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that people just have like no concept of subtext. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or just reading lyrics. Right, or even, not even just, just subtext, because a lot of it is not even subtext.
0: Yeah. It is right there. I mean, look at uh, Every Breath You Take by the Police. Yeah. People play that at fucking weddings, and it's a stalker song. It's fucking creepy. <laughs> it's
1: fucking creepy. Uh, side note, uh, Owl City is from the perspective of a sociopath. I will not shut up about this. Fireflies? Fireflies by Owl City. yes. He spins this whole song talking about, like, he's humanizing these fireflies, and he's like, they're such beautiful creatures. then at the end of the song, what what does he say? I saved a few, and I keep them in a jar. Yeah.
0: That's what people do with fireflies.
1: No! No, 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 no. He spins this whole song telling me how beautiful they are, and how much he loved them, and how they hugged him collectively, and how they're, like beautiful beautiful creatures and then at the end he tells me that he kept a few of them in a jar no that's sociopath behavior well no i think it's more about a fear of letting go no you're genuinely analyzing the song i'm shit posting oh. oh my bad <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry it, joining the fucking podcast where we're talking about songs i analyzed the song i apologize
0: <laughs> so closing time if you thought the song was about a bar closing time you're half right Closing Time rose to number one on the U.S. Billboard Modern Rock Tracks chart in 1998. However, no one became aware of the song's other meaning. The alternative rock song also refers to a baby's birth. Dan Wilson, Semisonics lead singer, revealed he wrote the song during his wife's pregnancy. Closing Time represented the joy of fatherhood and metaphorically being sent forth from the womb as if by a bouncer clearing out a bar. (laughs) Okay. While no one caught on to the lyrics' other meaning, Semisonic went on to earn a Grammy Award nomination for Best Rock Song in 1999 for Closing Time. The popular song was also featured in many films and TV shows such as Due Date, Friends with Benefits, The Office, and How I Met Your Mother. Jenkins adds that the successful track is bright and shiny on the surface, and then it just pulls you down into the lockjawed mess. The, uh, the music that I wrote for it is not. Wrote for it is not intended to be bright and shiny for bright and shiny sake. It's intended to be what the seductiveness of speed is like. Represented in. Hold on. I thought it was about his kids. Uh, I think. uh, Hold on. Did I'm you sorry. Did you
1: start reading from Simi Charmed? Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, whoops. You re- You really <laughs> fucked <laughs> yeah, me up. I was about to say.
1: You really <laughs> fucked me up because you gave me a mental image of a bouncer, and for some reason, the bouncer was Ruben clearing out a womb. <laughs>
0: Literally. So, yes, I did have Semi Charm Life. However, I, I see that. <laughs> I apparently don't have the whole thing. I just put half of it or I deleted something. Sorry. So, yeah, Semi Charm Life by Third Eye Blind. Jenkins uh, as successful track is bright and shiny on the surface, and then it just pulls you down into this lockjawed mess. The music that I wrote for it is not intended to be bright and shiny for bright and shiny's sake. It's intended to be what the seductiveness of speed is like represented in music. If you're still not convinced that semi charmed life, not closing time, is about drugs, just listen to the lyrics. I was taking sips of it through my nose. Doing crystal meth will lift you up until you break. I think you only needed <laughs> yeah. the second line. <laughs> I'm going to be real yeah. with you. Radio stations aired a clean version of the song by censoring drug-related lyrics. And when TV channels played the music video, they also edited some of the lyrics, which could be why a lot of people didn't know it was about drugs. Because it got censored.
1: Yeah, but they changed it to... It wasn't that big of a change. Like, it was still really clear that he was talking about drugs, if I remember correctly. Because I remember it used to play on the... I was in a McDonald's drive-thru with my mother when I realized what that song was about. (laughs) Oh, this song's about me, Mom. (laughs) No. No, I didn't
0: snort anything so the next song we're talking about oh
1: she she comes around and she goes down on me that's the exact same line as it is in the original no I know but like that was the line that I caught and I was like wait hold on and I pulled up the lyrics for the rest of the song and I was like what the fuck
0: <laughs> alright so this song uh, everybody knows and everybody gets it wrong is you gotta fight for your right to party by the Beastie Boys
1: yeah, that's the only line from that song that I actually know
0: <laughs> so like off of, the
1: top of my head.
0: One of the best party anthems ever isn't exactly about having a good time. The Beastie Boys wrote, you gotta fight for your right to party, to make fun of other party anthems like "Smokin' in the Boys Room and I Wanna Rock. One Beastie Boys member, Mike D, says there were tons of guys singing along to fight for your right who were oblivious to the fact that it was a total goof on them. Nobody got the joke, so the Beastie Boys song became the next big party anthem instead. In 1987, You Gotta Fight for Your Right to Party reached number seven on the Billboard Hot 100. The song was also inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. Although the song became famous, the band felt disappointed that people didn't understand it was actually a parody.
1: Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Mm. Again, I... pe- people do- the-, the greater public does not understand satire.
0: No. And I, I, I know for a fact, we went on a cruise, and we were at karaoke, and two chads. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, those dudes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah, they got up on stage, and they had had a few, okay? The little natty lights, you know what I'm saying? Man? Uh-huh. Yeah. And they got up, and I sang, you gotta fight for your right to party. So yeah, they Which def- is
1: actually just a perfect encapsulation of what the Beastie Boys were trying to do with that song. Yeah. But, anywho, I don't even like that song, really. No. it's So, I love the Beastie Boys. I do, too. Like, every now and then. <laughs> because as much as I love them, and I love their style, and I love what they do musically and conceptually, they're so fucking funny their voices can be a little obnoxious <laughs> in long stretches. <laughs> so you, you got to space yeah. out your beastie
0: boys. Yeah. That was ad rock. Not ad rock. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Ad rock. He sounds like a cartoon character when he sings. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which again, love. Like when, when I go to work one day and I'm like, it's a beastie boys kind of day. <laughs> and then I'll listen to like three beastie boys albums back to
0: back to back. And I liked, then I will not do that again for six months. I like the later Beastie Boys, yeah. like "Hello Nasty," um, "Sabotage." Yeah, those. I'm not a big fan of like their early stuff, like "Fight for Your Right." And
1: yeah, it's Beastie Boys are one of those bands where I much prefer like their really, really early stuff, like their first couple of albums, and then their like last couple of albums. Yeah. And I'm just not that interested in anything in between.
0: So the next song is Tootie Fruity by Little Richard. I think anyone with the name Little Richard is going to have a song with a deeper meaning. Um, actually, 1955, people grooved to Little Richard's famous song Tootie Fruity. Unsuspecting fans had no idea the song's original lyrics were about sex. <gasps> Tootie Fruity's original chorus included the lyrics, Tootie Fruity, Good Booty, If It Don't Fit, <laughs> Don't Force It, you can grease it, make it easy. Nice. <laughs> that was what year? 1955. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> so the song's producer, Robert Blackwell, asked Little Richard to please edit the lyrics. Uh, the lyrics, menstrual modes and sexual humor before releasing the song. <laughs> in the 1950s, songs with sexual in your windows were considered to be too vulgar. As a result, the song's chorus was changed to Tutti Fruity All Rooty. Little Richard's song became an instant hit after its release. Even Elvis Presley became a major fan of Tutti Frutti, covering the song in his 1956 album, Elvis Presley. <laughs> and even uh, bubba up, a Wap Babaloo Bop, a Wap Bamboo. Uh-huh. That was not the original lyrics. I. It was Wap Baba Bop, a Good goddamn. Nice. Yeah. But it didn't fly in the 50s.
1: Yeah, no. No, <laughs> th- sex didn't even exist in the 50s no, publicly. N- nobody had sex.
0: No. Yeah, everybody no, no, was no. immaculately concepted.
1: No, no nobody, nobody pooped. Nope. You weren't allowed to have a, a toilet flushing on television until like the 90s. <laughs> they did in the 60s. <laughs> I think the first time... Psycho
0: was the first time any movie had ever shown a toilet flushing.
1: Yep, and the first time it ever happened on TV, I think they showed a toilet. Like in the background, really risque shit yeah. on like Leave It to Beaver,
0: <laughs> yeah. And I know that the first use of the word fuck in cinema was *Mash*, the movie. Really, MASH. yeah. And it initially got the movie an X rating, really, just for simply saying fuck. Wow. Yeah. Now even a a PG thirteen movie yeah. is allowed one, one fuck. Hell, you even had *Beetlejuice*, which was a PG movie that had a fuck in it. Did it really? Yeah. When Beetlejuice kicks the tree, uh huh, and it falls over, he turns around and goes, "Nice fucking model," in a PG movie. Wow. Yeah, this one's for Brandon. Rich Girl by Hall and Oates. Okay. So Daryl Hall and uh, John Oates. Watsky
1: sampled "Rich Girl" in a yeah. song. It was really good. Yeah. Tell him he needs to listen to Watsky. You absolutely need to listen to Watsky. You'll like Watsky. Watskis. Just look him up. You'll like Watsky. I'll check it. Out. I have a necklace from one of his music videos downstairs. Like actually from one of his movies? Yes, it was an actual prop. He Mm. did a a special sale. Um, He was going to do a tour for his album Placement. And then COVID happened. Mm. And then he was going to do a replacement tour. And then the second lockdown happened. (laughs) So both of those tours got completely canceled. He had to refund everybody. But he had uh, staff and crew who were relying on the money. Because they are his dedicated touring crew. And so in order to pay all of them, he sold off for pretty cheap, like, every prop that he had ever had in a music video. Like, several thousand dollars, a lot of money's worth of shit. Every costume, every piece of jewelry, everything, and I was able to get a necklace for,
0: like, 30 bucks. Really cheap, obvious prop. Right. But uh, I love it. Hmm. So Daryl Hall and John Oates released the hit song, Rich Girl, in 1977. The lyrics suggest the song is about a woman who depends on her parents for money. However, Hall revealed to Rolling Stone that the song is really about a spoiled boy. Really? The boy in question is Victor Walker, an ex-boyfriend of Hall's then-girlfriend Sarah Allen. Walker is well aware that the song is about him. Hall and Oates changed the lyrics from boy to girl because they believed girl sounded better. It does. The simple switch worked because Rich Girl became the band's number one single on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1977. Uh, next we have Totally Clips of the Heart by Bonnie Tyler. Okay. Bonnie Tyler's believed Totally Clips of the Heart was about desperately wanting love. However, the heartbreaking ballad is really a vampire love song that was meant <laughs> <for> <laughs> that was meant for the musical Nosferatu. What? Jim Steinman, the songwriter and producer, and also the guy who wrote all of Bad Out of Hell for Meatloaf and Bad Out of Hell 2. Really? Yeah, he wrote wow. the song. Wow. Said that the song's original title was Vampires in Love. <laughs> of if anyone it was. listens to the lyrics, he said, they're really like vampire lines. It's all about darkness, the power of darkness and love's place in dark. Thanks to Steinman and Tyler, millions of fans sang along to a vampire love song. The song topped the UK charts. In the US, in the US, a single ranked number one for four weeks on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1983. Wow. Um... Okay, we're almost there. So the next song is Swimming Pools Drank by Kendrick Lamar. Okay. What? You know that song? Yeah. Yeah, everybody
1: knows that song. How does it have like a deeper meaning? Kendrick Lamar is already just kind of a deep songwriter.
0: Oh. Pour
1: up. Famously. It's it's like what Kendrick is famous for is insane lyrical lyrical
0: meaning. Yeah. Yeah. So pour up, drink, headshot, drink, sit down, drink, stand up, drink. With lyrics like these, it's easy to believe that Swimming Pools is a pro-drinking anthem. I'm so sad that Ruben's not here for this, because he would have
1: gone absolutely ham for that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Many parties and clubs played the song, but Swimming Pools is actually an anti-drinking song. Swimming Pools presents some heavy and serious content. The song reveals Lamar's life growing up and his thoughts on alcoholism. Lamar talks about his grandfather's drinking habits, which led to his death. Lamar also discusses his own experience with alcoholism. Lamar's friends pressured him to drink, and Lamar gave in many times. Doesn't this sound like a situation that other people can relate to? (laughs) (laughs) Audio medium. Okay. (laughs) Brandon raised his hand. (laughs) And the last song, just because it is ridiculous. Okay. The Macarena. I have never looked at the lyrics of the movies. Macarena. Uh, so the song they're
1: speaking gibberish, are they not? No, they're speaking no. Spanish. Oh.
0: You racist. fuck! <laughs> Sorry. He's your kid. <laughs> <laughs> so the song was fun and catchy, becoming a favorite at wedding parties and school dances. Uh, however, the Macarena isn't as innocent as it sounds. If fans look closely at the translated lyrics, they'll notice the shocking story of the song. The translation of the original Spanish lyrics goes, Macarena has a boyfriend who is named, who was named with the last name Vitorino. And while he was being sworn in as a conscript, she's giving it to two friends. Oh! The lyrics describe a girl named Macarena who cheats on her boyfriend with two of his friends while he's serving in the army. Possibly at the same time. That's
1: what I
0: assumed. Yeah,
1: you just go for the the most sensational thing when it's in songwriting. <laughs> that's it. I so. did not know that Macarena was about adultery. I um, guess if you think about it, the movements are somewhat like I don't know. No, no, you're overthinking it now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't Lamar this. <laughs> <clears throat> so that's the story behind the this is yeah this uh-huh. is behind the music <laughs> we're gonna get sued for that, that. no we're not <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna get sued for that but we're gonna use the final countdown for something later are we we're gonna have to figure out some way to incorporate I, was gonna,
1: it. I think we can get it in there under parody law possibly it's like what if kazoos <laughs> i'm still thinking recorders what if kazoos and recorders played badly yeah played very badly (laughs) we could maybe even commission that actually from somebody else possibly although i don't know i feel like
0: i could play a pretty shitty recorder (laughs) (laughs) all right everybody so that wraps up our midweek uh thank you for joining us um, and thank you for letting us have a week off, though you don't know you did. <laughs> you say thank you for letting us have a week
1: off, <laughs> as if we didn't spend two separate recording sessions in here for... Four separate recording sessions in here for, like, seven hours apiece yeah. to give ourselves a week off. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> we definitely put in a full day's work for the past few times we recorded. Yes. So we're... We're
1: getting there. We even I I wrote scripts. That's how much I wanted a week off. Yeah,
0: you should do that more often. I'm working on one right now, actually. Mm-mm. All right, guys. So uh, thank you for joining. I've been Don. I've been Josh, and I've been Brandon. And we will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.